John chapter 1 verse 2. 3 John chapter 1 verse 2. We've been talking about prosperity is real. You should really have this in your spirit by now. Amen. Third John chapter one, verse two. Once again, it says, beloved. Do you have any beloved in this room? Oh, about one or two. Do we have any beloveds in the room? Amen. It says, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest what? Prosper and be in what? Be in health, even as thy soul prosper. We believe that it's God's will for us to prosper. Amen? And we believe that spiritually, materially, and physically. Come on, we believe rich is the will of God. I guess I got to say it again. I believe rich is the will of God because you ain't helping me out again. Amen? Now, a lot of people, <clears throat> they cringe at the word rich. Not understanding, rich is a Bible word. Let me say it again. Rich is a Bible word. Matter of fact, look what it says in 2 Corinthians 8.8. 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8. It says, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others to prove the sincerity of your love, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was, but though he was rich, yet for your sake he became what? Poor. Poor, that you through his poverty might be what? So who is he talking about? Come on, did he do that? Come on, did he do that? That means then we are what? Then we are what? We are rich. Then the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says what? Charge them that are what? Rich in this world, that they be not what? High-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the what? In the living God who gives us what? Richly all things to enjoy. We're convinced that God's will is prosperity. We're convinced God's will is blessing. And we're convinced that God's will is increase. Anybody else agree with me in there? Come on, y'all know y'all have to talk back. I don't know what y'all sitting there for. Amen. Let me say it again. We're convinced that God's will is prosperity. Amen. We're convinced that it's God's will is for, is for blessing Amen. and increase. Amen. Glory to God. Now, we're not saying this is my opinion and you should, you should agree with my opinion. No, what we're doing, we've been proving it in the Bible, God's word to us. And we've seen time after time that this is God's will for us. Are you with me out there? We looked at the definition of prosperity. We looked at the names of God, El Shaddai, and what? Jehovah what? Jireh. We went back and asked, asked, God, asked God some questions or asked some questions about our, you know, the patriarchs. And we asked, what kind of God did they know? What kind of God did Abraham know? What kind of God did Isaac know? What kind of God did Jacob know and Joseph know? And we found out they all knew a God who made them rich. They all knew a God who blessed them amazingly. Some might say amazingly. Come on, we talked about the covenant of prosperity. What happened? God established a covenant with Abraham that applies to us today because why? We are blessed. Amen. Turn your neighbor, we are blessed. The blessing of Abraham is ours. And it includes what? It includes material prosperity. And we found out the curse of disobedience is not ours. I'm up, come on. We read about the curse in Deuteronomy chapter 28, but according to Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, it says we've been what? We've been what? We've been redeemed from the what? Curse of the law. In other words, we don't have to have it. 
And we know poverty is part of the what? Curse. And sickness is part of the what? Curse. Tell your neighbor, you don't have to have it. Now, we've seen in the Old Testament times when the Lord gave commandment of building a tabernacle. And we found out it cost over hundreds of millions of dollars to build and construct just the tabernacle. God went first class. God went first class. Everything was gold and silver, and that was just a tent. Come on, say amen, somebody. But when you talk about the house of the Lord that David designed, come on, by the Holy Ghost, and Solomon built, come on, it was in the billions. 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 We found that he had 187,000 workers. It took him 20 years to build his house in the house of God. And once again, can you imagine his payroll? It was in the billions. Somebody say billions. But whose idea was that? Whose idea was it to build the tabernacle, to build the house of God? God. Come on, somebody say God. Now we've seen David the king and Solomon the king are types of kings. Now who is Jesus king of? King of what? Well, King of what? King of kings. And we looked at the book of Revelations and we found out that God has made us what? Kings and what? Priests. Now, when you think of kings, you don't think broke. Come on. You don't think living in a cardboard box and wearing worn out shoes. When you're thinking about a what? A king. Come on. Does that sound kingly? You're living in a cardboard box. Wearing wore out shoes. Are you sure? Come on. Now we see David, who loved the Lord with all his heart. Come on. And we found that he was he's considered what? A man after God's own heart. But the Lord didn't allow him to build the temple and construct this house. But he did what? He made all the previous arrangements. And he laid up billions in gold. And he gave it to Solomon, his son. And Solomon's wealth surpassed them all. Matter of fact, look at 2 Chronicles chapter 9, and that's what it brings us to. 2 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 1. Solomon's wealth surpassed them all. Now, we read about this count in, in 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 1, but here it is in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, chapter 9, verse 1, rather. And it says here in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, chapter 9, I don't know why I keep saying chapter 1, chapter 9, verse 1, it says, when the what? When a king of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, queen, it's your fault. That's the head is shining. When the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon, she came, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem. And with a what? With a very great company. And, a, and camels that bear spices, gold in abundance, and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she what? She communed with him all that was in her heart. Look down to verse 3. And when the queen of Sheba had seen the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel, his cupbearers also, and their apparel. And as a scent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, what does it say? There was no more spirit in her. In other words, she was breathless. Come on, say amen, somebody. You know, she had to see something she'd never seen before because she was the queen of Sheba, folks. So she came from royalty. Could you imagine what her house looks like? And she's a woman. Ladies, you know what I'm talking about. Y'all taste a little different from men. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen, glory to God, hallelujah. Amen. And she's a woman, so you know she knows how to get to put things together, arrange things, and she knows beauty when she sees beauty. But yet, as much as she came from 
thinking about her palace. And she thought she had it going on. But yet when she got the day, I mean, when she got the, to Solomon's house, she was breathless. She was what? Breathless. And then she's seen all the order of her servants. She's seen how everything was all in order. The ushers were doing what they were supposed to do. The sound was doing what they were supposed to do. Children's church were doing what they were supposed to do. And uh, Zest team was back to doing what they were supposed to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. She was what? Breathless. This is typical of how things in the kingdom of the Lord should be, folks. Amen. Once again, when people walk in your house, they should be what? Breathless. Why? Only the best of the best is good enough for the king of kings. And we know it goes on to tell us how much gold, amen, came into Solomon's kingdom. And all the things that were happening to him, it says in verse 9, and it says she gave the king what? 120 talents of gold and of spices, great abundance, precious stones. Neither was there any such spice as the queen of Sheba gave who? King Solomon. Verse 13. Now the weight of gold that came into Solomon in one year was 603 score and six talents of gold. I'm talking about 100 pound chunks of gold was coming in. Come on, say the chunks are coming in. Come on, you better say it like you mean it. The chunks are coming in. Come on, chunks of gold was coming in. Then verse 14, and besides that which Chapman and the merchants brought and all the kings of Arabia and the governors of the country brought gold and, and silver to what? To Solomon. Verse 22, and King Solomon did what? Pass all the kings of the earth in what? Riches and wisdom. And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon to hear his wisdom that God had put in his heart. And they brought every man his what? Presents, vessels of silver, vessels of gold and raiment and harness and spices and horses and mules. A rate year by year. This man was filthy rich. Verse 27. And the king made silver in Jerusalem as stones. And cedar trees made he as the sycamore trees that are in the low plains in abundance. And they brought into Solomon's horses out of Egypt and, and out of all of land. Now listen, when you read this, there's nothing here that says a prophet came to Solomon and says, Solomon, you greedy rascal. You need to quit this nonsense. You've gone too far. You've gone too lavish. Come on. Do we read that anywhere? Come on. Is this the blessing on God's people? Was this God's will? Is this the blessing on his man? Is it the blessing on his nation? Come on. Say amen, somebody. Has God changed? Does it please the Lord to see people broke and in poverty and can't pay their bills? Come on, is that sometimes the perfect will of God to teach us a lesson? Come on. But yet millions of Christians believe otherwise, folks. Amen? And they have no scripture to back it up. And people try to explain their experience or their lack of experience. Are you with me out there? Then they try to blame everything on the will of God. Say it again. They try to blame everything on the will of God. Well, it must be God. It must not be God's will. If he be willing, come on, y'all heard this. It must be the will of God for me not be for me. It must be the will of God for me to be in this situation. Or he would have got me out a long time ago. Come on. See, it never occurs to people that they may have done something wrong. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. But people always blame their failure to receive on the supposed will of God, which is a big mistake. Because why? God's not the author of lack. 
and God's not the author of disease. Come on, say amen, somebody. God's not the author of failure. Why? Because God is a good God. Tell your neighbor, God is a good God. Listen, it's the thief that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Well, who is the thief? Who is the thief? The devil. Come on, y'all act like most people. They act like there ain't no devil. Sometimes people don't even want you to talk about the devil. Come on, say amen, somebody. Listen, there's the devil, and he's a thief. He's a killer. He's a liar. He's a destroyer, and he's a deceiver. Listen, if it was stolen from you, who did it? The devil. If it robbed you, if it hurt you, if it killed something in your life, why do you blame it on God? Come on. Why do, why, do, why do you want to act mystical and say it was the will of God? And that's what people do. It wasn't God. It wasn't God. It was the work of what? Of the thief. And the thief is not who? The thief is not God. It's the work of who? The devil. And Jesus said what? Jesus said, I come that you might have life and have a what? More what? Abundantly. That actually means super abundantly. That means too much. That means what? Too much. See, God is a God of too much. God is a God of too much. Matter of fact, look at Psalms 23, 5. We know this. Now prepare a table before me in the what? Presence of my enemies. Now anointed my head with what? Oil. Then he says what? My cup runneth over. My what? Does what? My what? Cup runneth over. Doesn't God know when to stop pouring? Can't he see it running all over down the sides and on the table on the floor? Come on, he can see this. Then why does he keep pouring it in and running it off the side? Anybody know? No, you want the answer? No, because he wants to. <laughs> I knew y'all was going to try to super, get super spiritual on me. Because he wants to. Why? That's his nature. That's his character. Come on, say amen, somebody. That's who God is. He's the God of more than enough. He is El Shaddai, and his perfect will for you and I, come on, is more than enough. Somebody say more than enough. Well, I'm excited more than y'all are right now. Listen, if we're experiencing if we're going to experience the perfect and the full will of God every day, that means we should have more than enough every day. That means we should have more than enough to pay every bill, more than enough to take care of our kids, more than enough to run the church. Come on, say amen, somebody. More than enough to supply and send out missionaries. Come on, throughout the land. I'm talking about more than enough. That's if we're experiencing the perfect and full will of God every day. And that's what we should be doing. We should be experiencing what? More than enough. So that means you got to make an adjustment in your confession. When people begin to talk about things, and you begin to look at your bills, and you look at that stuff month after month after month and throughout the year, never look at it and say, I sure hope I have enough. You think we'll have enough this week? Tell your neighbor, don't say that anymore. Tell somebody else, say, don't say that anymore. This is what you should say. If someone asks you, do you think we'll have enough today? What are you going to say? No. Nah. We're going to have what? More than enough. Matter of fact, we're going to have too much. We're going to have what? 
more than enough. We're going to have what? Too much. Come on, say this. We will have too much. Too much to pay the bills. Too much to take care of our children. Too much for college. Too much for the church. Come on, say too much. Keep those words in your mouth. My God is a God of more than enough, and he's too much. So without question, the Bible says, King Solomon passed all the kings on the earth in what? Riches and wisdom. He was so rich that the Bible says the silver was counted as nothing. They had so much gold until silver was nothing to them. Come on, that's rich. Tell your neighbor, that's rich. That's like somebody saying, do you need some hundreds? No, I got too many of them already. That's where they were, folks. Was that the will of God? Come on, was that the will of God? Did God do that for them? Come on. Is prosperity real? Is it for us today? See, everything was going good for Solomon. Everything was going good for Solomon until 1 Kings chapter 11. You see, in 1 Kings 4, 5, and 6, come on, it tells you how rich Solomon was. It took him 20 years to build his house in the house of the Lord. Then in chapter 10, we've seen the Queen of Sheba she come on and she, her breath was taken away. Come on. But then in 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 1, we see the but. We see the what? But. I wish Solomon would have got his butt out the way. But we see the but. Everything was good. Everything was wonderful. He was so rich. They had peace. They built the house of the Lord. It was beautiful and it cost them billions upon billions upon billions. Everything was built and paid for, including his house. They were blessed. They were rich. They were wealthy. But. But. But King Solomon loved many strange women <laughs> together with the daughter of Pharaoh. Notice it says with <laughs> women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, the Hittites, of the nation concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, you shall not go into them Neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will what? Surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon clave unto these in love. The Lord hath specifically told him not to do this, folks. And then he even explained to him why, what was going to happen if you did. Verse 3. And he had 700 wives. What are you going to do with 700 wives? That's more than a year. <laughs> Come on, you could have two a day. You still wouldn't have touched my... Some of the women didn't see Solomon for years. Is it my turn? <laughs> <laughs> Not only 700 wives, he had 300 concubines. That's 1,000 women. Why? Because he got his naked butt in the way. But, come on. And said his wives did what? Turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon was what? Old, that his wives what? Turned away his heart after what? 
other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as the heart of David his father. Think about this. Solomon was the wisest man in the land. But how many understand there's not enough wisdom you can have to disobey God? I mean, I should have got a bigger amen than that. There's not enough wisdom you can have to disobey God. And Solomon is no dummy, folks. Come on. He wrote, have you read Proverbs and Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes? God gave this man wisdom beyond his years. Come on. He had wisdom and understanding, but so did the devil. Come on. So did Lucifer. And I'm pretty sure he thought like most people think and what most men think, come on, not just men, but women too. I'm pretty sure he thought, I can handle this. I know what I'm doing. I can have all these women, but they won't turn me away from God. That's the same thing that happens to every crackhead, every alcoholic. They all say the same thing. It'll never happen to me. I can handle it. But go to 1 Corinthians 15.33. He said, I can handle this. These women ain't going to turn me away from God. I love God. Well, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, be not what? Deceived. Evil communication does what? Does what? Corrupt good manner. That's New Testament, isn't it? But where do you think Paul got that from? Come on, all he had was the Old Testament scrolls, folks. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then in verse, if you read it from the contemporary English version, it says, don't fool yourself, bad friends will destroy you. Bad friends will destroy you. New International Version reads, don't be misled, bad company corrupts good character. The Living Bible reads, don't be fooled by those who say such things. If you listen to them, you'll start acting like them. You'll start what? Acting like them. Listen, there's nobody so strong that they can spend time in places where people are yielding to the wrong spirit. Let me say that again. There's nobody so strong that they can spend time in places where people are yielding to the wrong spirit, especially in this upcoming season that you are facing. Hello. Come on. Wrong spirits or where people you spending time with people who are yielding to the wrong spirit. Listen, you cannot hang around them, spend time in those places and people without it not happening to you and without them not rubbing off on you. They're going to rub off on you. I don't care what you say. You are who you hang around. If you spend enough time there and you keep going around them and keep putting yourself and your kids in that environment, it's going to rub off. It took years for this to happen to Solomon. And he was wise. And I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he thought I have it all together. But when he got old, what happened? He gave in. If you go back to 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 5, it says, For Solomon went after Astaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Alchemilchah, and the abomination of the Ammonites, and Solomon did what? He did what? He did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as did David his father. Listen to this now. And Solomon did what? Evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord 
as did David his father. The son did not follow the footsteps of the father as he got older. Doesn't that sound like some of our so-called Christian kids today? Where the children are not following the God of their father anymore. And you can't blame them. You can't blame them. Because as they're growing up, you allow them to be in the environments. Allow them to be in the wrong places. And you kept doing it and kept doing it. And guess what? They developed the wrong desires. I'm preaching good in here. And now you wonder when they come back to college, now you wonder, why don't they come to church? Why don't I see the fire of God in them anymore? Why did they have issues even come to church at all? Okay, y'all know y'all don't want to hear this. But it's true anyway. It says Solomon did evil in the Lord and went not fully at the Lord as did his father. Listen, nobody is smart enough, nobody is wise enough to ignore the word of God. Are you with me out here? Now, the reason I'm getting into this, because why? We read here in verse 6 that Solomon did what? Did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully at the Lord as did David his what? Father. I said in verse 7, then did Solomon build a high place for Shamas and the abomination of Moab and the hill that is before Jerusalem and for Molech, the abomination of children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives which burned incense and sacrificed unto their what? God. Verse 9, and the Lord was angry with Solomon. Why? Why? Because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel which had appeared unto him twice. Come on, it's a great honor for God to appear to you once, but twice. How great is that? Verse 10, and I commanded him concerning this thing, that he should what? He commanded him. That what? That he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I what? Commanded thee, I will surely rid the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. God told him, you're going to lose the kingdom. How many understand, when you get away from God, and God is no longer number one in your life, you cannot maintain the blessings of the Lord. Amen. Let me say it again. You cannot maintain the blessing of the Lord if you get away from God and God is no longer number one in your life. Come on. You're not going to have all the prosperity and all the healing that you're desiring. It's not going to happen. If you desire the perfect will of God, come on, in healing and in prosperity, guess what? You're going to have to do the perfect will of God for your life every day. Are you with me out here? Matter of fact, let's look at it closer. Go to 2 Chronicles 14.1. If you desire the perfect will of God in healing and prosperity, you got to do the perfect will of God for your life, folk. Every day. Set your, set your eyes and your heart like a flint. That I just want to be in your will today, Lord. But look at 2 Chronicles 14.1. Now we're looking at a major foundation of truth concerning God's prosperity. And this has to do with King Asa. And it says in verse 1, So Abijah slept with his father, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa his son did what? Reign in his stead. And in his days the land was what? Quiet ten years. And Asa did what? Asa did that was what? Which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. For he took it away the altar of strange God in the high places, and break down the images and cut down the groves. And it says in verse 4, And he commanded Judah to do what? 
seek the Lord of their fathers and to do the law and the what? Commandment. Look at verse 7. Therefore he said unto Judah, let us what? Build these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us because we have what? Can't y'all read? Because we have what? Sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he is what? Given us rest on every side so they built and what? Prospered. What came before the prosperity? They sought the Lord. They did what? They sought the Lord. Come on, say that out loud. They sought the Lord and they prospered. Say that. They sought the Lord and they prospered. Come on, say it again. They sought the Lord and they prospered. Go to 2 Chronicles 26, 1. 2 Chronicles chapter 26, verse 1. This has to do with King Hosiah. Teenagers, pay attention. What's it say here? Then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was what? Uzziah was, who was what? 16 years old. How old was he? How old was he? 16 years old. And made him what? King and ruled his father, Amaziah. And he built Elop and restored it to Judah. After the king slept with his fathers, 16 years old. Was Uzziah when he began to what? Reign. And he reigned 50 and 2 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jokaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what? And he did that which what? And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah did. And did what in verse 5? And he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding and then visions, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper teenagers. Let me say it again. As long as he what? Sought the Lord, God made him what? To prosper. Come on, say that. As long as I, as long as I seek the Lord, I will what? As long as he sought the Lord, guess what? God made him what? God made him what? God made him what? When he did what? When he sought the Lord. As long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. Come on, these are strong words, folks. It says God made him to prosper. But it only happened as he what? Sought the Lord. As he what? Got degrees. Went out there and got contracts all over the place. Long as he what? Long as he what? Sought the Lord. But it also says in verse 5, and he sought God what? In the days of Zechariah, who had understanding of what? Visions of God. See, Zechariah was an older man. And he's like a father and grandfather, amen, to Isaiah. But when Zechariah died and went home to be of the Lord, guess what? Uzziah got off. He what? Why? Because he was no longer around that godly influence. So he didn't seek the Lord like he used to, and he began to have failure and destruction. You hear what I just said? When your kids are no longer around a godly influence, the devil is sitting there waiting to put another influence around them. Come on, say amen, somebody. And that's what happened. They stopped seeking the Lord. And what comes behind that is failure and destruction. Come on, are you with me out here? Let's take it a little further. Go to 2 Chronicles 27.1. So teenagers, how are you going to prosper? I heard them back there. I got some teenagers over here somewhere. Oh. Oh. 
Second Chronicles 27.1. It says, Jotham was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 16 years in where? Jerusalem. His mother's name also was Jeshusha, the daughter of Zadok. <laughs> and he did that which what? He did that which what? Right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Uzziah did. Howbeit, he entered not into the temple of the Lord, meaning he learned his lesson. Amen. He didn't enter the temple and interfere with the, he did not interfere with the priestly work of the priests like his father did. His father ended up being struck with leprosy because he tried to stand in a road that he wasn't supposed to stand in. And the people did what? Corruptly. Now look at verse 6. So Jotham became what? Jotham became what? Why? Why? Because he prepared his way before the Lord his God. Why did he become mighty? Let me give you one more. 2 Chronicles 31, 20. 2 Chronicles 31, verse 20. And it says, thus did Hezekiah throughout all Judah. Well, one time I woke up. And, <laughs> and wrought that which is good <laughs> and right and true before the Lord his God. And said, in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, and in the law, and in the commandments, to what? To do what? To do what? Seek his God. He did it with all his what? Heart. And what was the result? He what? He what? Come on, we see it again and again and again. As long as they sought the Lord, they what? As long as they sought the Lord, they what? They prospered. Does that remind you of anything in the New Testament? Matthew 6.33. Since y'all were so brainiac and y'all just brought all that out of me, and you know, I know somebody yelled it out. Matthew 6.33. I heard somebody. I know it was on your heart. Even Meryl showed us this. I'm surprised at you, Meryl. I thought you was at least going to say something. <laughs> What does Matthew 6.33 say? Do what? Seek you first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. We know righteousness means his way of doing things. And all these things will be what? Added unto you. Well, we read they sought who? The Lord. They did what? They sought who? The Lord. Well, what were they trying to find? They were trying to find his ways. They were trying to find his purpose. They were trying to find his will in this thing, his way of doing this, because why? His way was right. His plans are right. See, the reason you're seeking him is to do it his way. You're trying to find out what his will is and his way, and then once you find out his will and you find out his way, you agree with his will and you do his way. And guess what happened? As long as you do his way, what happens? You will what? Prosper. You will what? Prosper. When you do it what? His way. Are you with me out here? Say this out loud. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness and all these, all these, all these shall be what? We'll go to Luke 12, 22. Let's see another account of this. Seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness, his way of doing things. And all these things shall be what? Added unto me. Some might say me. Luke 12, 22. Let's see what he says here. Are we there yet? And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no what? Thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for your body, what you shall put on, the life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, neither, which neither have storehouse nor barn, but what? And God feedeth them. How much more are you better than the fowls? 
Or which of you with taking thought can add a statute one cubit? If ye then not being able to do the thing which is least, why take you thought for the rest? Verse 27, consider lilies how they grow, they toil not, they spin not. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And then God so clothed the grass which today is in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? O ye of what? Little faith. Then in verse 29 says, and seek not. Do what? Seek not ye what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Neither be what? Of doubtful mind. Verse 30, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after. And your father knoweth that you have need of these things. But rather, rather do what? Seek you the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be what? Added unto you. Look at what he says here. Now he says here, don't seek, but seek something else. Don't seek, but seek something else. Don't seek what? Because here's where people get off. See, they read this scripture. As a matter of fact, go to 1 Timothy 6.10. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. And they use these, these scriptures to preach against prosperity. To preach against the prosperity message. But look at 1 Timothy 6.5. Look what it says here. It says perverse what? 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 5. Perverse what? Disputing of men are corrupt the minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that what? Supposing that what? Gain is godliness from such do what? Withdraw thyself. At this point, they begin to twist the scriptures. Then verse 6 says, but godliness is contentment with great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and as certain we can carry nothing out. What's he saying? In other words, don't get hung up on stuff. Because you can't take stuff with you. Come on, say amen, somebody. Verse 8, and having food and raiment, let us what? Be there with content. But they that be rich fall into what? Temptation and in a snare, and into many foolish what? And hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and what? Perdition. People look at this and say, this is why you don't want to be rich. Why? It's going to draw you into a snare. And to many foolish and hurtful lusts, you're going to drown in destruction and perdition. So that's why God doesn't want you to be rich. Well, what about all those scriptures we read about over the last 14 weeks? Do we throw them out? Come on, do we throw them out? See, you can't take one verse, a half a verse, and discard half of the Bible. But the question is, what is the issue here? Let me read verse 9 from different translations, just the first part of it. The New Living Translation reads, but people who long to be rich. The Empty Bible reads, but those who, who, those who crave to be rich. Another translation says, those who set their hearts wants to be rich. In other words, it's not about the money, it's about the desire. Somebody say the desire. Well, keep a marker here and go back to Luke 12, 29. It's about what? It's about what you're desiring. Luke 12, 29. Look what it says here. Once again, it says, Seek not ye what you shall eat, or what you shall what? Drink. Neither be ye what? Of a doubtful mind. In other words, don't focus on the stuff. Don't focus on the things, amen, and just seek after those. Then he says in verse 31, But rather do what? Rather do what? Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now, does it say, rather seek the kingdom, rather you want seek the kingdom? I'm not about shit. But what does it say? But rather you seek first the kingdom of God, and you won't have any of that stuff, and you'll be happy and broke. What does it say here? It says, but rather seek you what the kingdom of God, and all these what things shall be what added unto you. Well, 
So does God want you to have stuff? Somebody say he does. But what's the problem then? Is the problem having the stuff? No. The problem is what you seek after. The problem is your focus. Somebody say your focus. Look at verse 13 of Luke chapter 12. The problem is your what? It's what you seek after, and the problem is your focus. Somebody say, my focus. Look at verse 13. And said, and one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divide the inheritance with me. Have you ever seen people fighting over stuff after someone died? <laughs> Amen. In verse 14, he said unto them, Man, who made me judge or divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed, beware of what? Beware of what? Covetousness. For man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. Let me say it again. He says a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things which he possesses. I don't care how much stuff you have. Or how much up you ever had, it will never make you happy. Amen. It'll never satisfy you. It'll never give you a sense of value, purpose, and fulfillment. Listen, your life does not consist in the abundance of what you have. Amen. Why? Because not, that's not what you are. That's just what you have. Come on, are you with me out here? Why? Because all that stuff will not last forever. Your clothes will not last forever. The shoes will not last forever. Even a house won't even last forever. The Lord told Papa Hagen. Lord told Papa Hagen. He told him, if you learn how to be led by my spirit, I'll make you rich. That's what he told Papa Hagen. And then Papa Hagen was standing there. He was puzzled because why? He had not, he never heard that around the circles that he was with and around. And the Lord knew what it was on his mind and knew what he was thinking. And the Lord continued to tell him, listen, I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. This is the issue. Tell your neighbor, this is the issue. See, God's will is prosperous. God's will is wealthy. God's will is rich. See, rich is not the problem. Somebody say, rich is not the problem. Go back to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Rich is not the problem. Come on, are you getting anything out of this? Come on, say, rich is not the problem. Verse 10, we all know this. It says, for the what? Father, what? Love of money. See, that's associated with covetous. For the love of money is the what? Root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, have what? Coveted after, they have erred from the faith, pierced themselves through what? With many sorrows. Listen, he's not talking about it's bad to be rich. He's talking about people wanting to be rich more than they want God. Come on, are you with me out here? People wanting to be rich more than they want God. Wanting money more than they want to please God. Come on, they want stuff more than they want to find out and do the will of God. Come on, I'm not preaching to anybody in here. And if that's the number one thing on your heart, and that's the number one thing in your priority list, it will pierce you with sorrows, and you will get off, and you will err because why? Because of love, because, because of the love of that, and covetous is the root of all kinds of evil. When you covet after things you ain't supposed to covet after. In quiet as Presbyterian Church. Look at verse 11. But thou, O man of God, there got to be men and women of God in here. He said, but thou, O man of God, do what? Flee these things and follow after what? 
righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Now go down to verse 17. Because he's still talking about this. Verse 17. He says what? Charge them that are rich in this world. To see how quickly they can get rid of all their riches. Come on. So you don't have to serve God. Amen? You don't have to be close to God. Is that what it says? It says, charge them that are what? Rich in this world that they be not what? High minded. In other words, they don't think, you don't think that you're all that just because you've got a little money. Listen, if you act different since you got your new car, if you act different since you moved into your big house, then you need to do some fasting and praying because why? That house and that car doesn't, doesn't make who you who you are. And it doesn't make you anybody. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Because all of that is temporary stuff. He said that they be not what? High-minded, nor what? Trust and uncertain riches, but in the what? In the living God who giveth us what? Richly all things to enjoy, that they do what? Good, that they, are, they be what? Rich in good works, ready to what? Distribute, willing to what? Communicate, laying up in store for themselves a what? Good foundation against the time to come, that they may what? Lay hold on to what? Eternal life. You're going to do good with the riches. But guess what? He said you're going to do what? Reward it later on. Come on, all you say it with me out there. So what was the master key to God's prosperity? But seek ye what? First, the kingdom of God in is what? Righteousness and all these things shall be what? Added unto you. Seek ye what? Seek ye what? What we read in the Old Testament. As long as they sought the Lord, the Lord caused them. As long as they, the Lord caused them. People know these scriptures forward and backward. They know that. Everybody can quote, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But you're fine, they're not practicing it. You're fine, they're not practicing it. Come on, say amen, somebody. Just like in giving. When people get paid, many Christians, the first thing they think about when they get paid is my house payment. My kids. My insurance. My this, my that. We got to do this, we got to do that. Then somewhere down the line they say, I guess I might, I guess I got to give something to God. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Well, you've already violated the first principle of prosperity. It has to be first. It has to be. It has to be first. Come on, his kingdom, his things, his business has to be first. For you to walk in this prosperity we're talking about, folks. In other words, you don't think about anything else but him first. You got to do what God tells you to do. Seek ye what? First. Nothing else can take priority. No one else can take priority. Are you with me out here? He's got to be number one. No question about it. If you're going to prosper the way we've been talking over these last 14, 15 weeks, you got to make him what? Number one. First, it says, seek ye what? First, as long as they sought the Lord, he caused them to prosper. It is not your great business idea. It's not your degrees. Come on. As long as you sought seek the Lord, he will cause you 
but he has to be number one before anything, anything, anything. So don't sit up there and fool yourself and you put things before God, before reading your Bible, before praying, before coming to church. And think you're going to prosper the way you want to prosper. You violated the first law of prosperity. Put God first. Have your hands to the Lord. As long as they sought the Lord, he caused them to prosper. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you glory. Father, we give you honor. Come on, set your heart to seek God right now. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. We magnify you, Lord, for you are worthy. You're worthy of the praise. You're worthy of the glory. You're worthy of the honor. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We glorify you, Lord. For you are such an awesome God.